Hey guys, I'm Caleb Giddings. And I'm Keith Finch. And we are coming to you for Gun Day Brunch. And we've got a full banner. So if you are watching this on YouTube, the banner will appear now. And if you're just listening, then there wasn't at all an awkward pause in what I said. But seriously, thank you to all our sponsors for supporting the show. And thank you to everyone out there who likes, subscribes, shares, and leaves us reviews on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, and with that being said, I Keith is back, which is great. And I wanted to start, I think you were technically back last week, which wasn't actually last week, but you know, anyway, <laughs> this one will go up shortly after we record it. Uh, and which is why I wanted to start with a question because Keith, how do you feel that the Israeli military is getting rid of the Tavor? Oh, uh, it hurts. I've also been in contact with people in that uh, knowledge loop. And apparently what I'm hearing is this isn't me. Like if they drop it, they drop it. Like I'm not, I'm not the procurement arm of the IDF. It would absolutely make sense from a logistics standpoint. It's way cheaper to make ARs. But from what I'm hearing, this is almost the exact same scenario that we had back in the early uh, 20 teens where big angry general man was like, M4 bad, melted in combat, troops died. Mm. It's just the Israeli variant. So, which like, is like... X-95 suck, I like the M4 better, getting rid of it. And then the IDF released a statement like, yeah, we just bought a bunch more, so... Well, it's, you know, it's funny when you, people talk about like procurement and stuff like that, and no one understands how it works, because I've seen a number of dumbass comment comments this week from well, dumbasses who so backtrack Beretta not dumbasses Beretta friends of the show uh, Beretta put out a thing on social media today about how they shipped out the last M9 that fulfilled the government contract this week and people were like but I thought it had been replaced with the M18 and I'm like that's purchased not delivered. how this works like first off purchased delivered First and first off, the the M9 contract hadn't even been fulfilled yet. And that's so that's one of these things that people don't understand is, you know, with this Tavor situation, for example, they might actually be getting rid of the Tavor, but they also might still have an open order for like 10,000 more, 15 or 20,000 more rifles that still needs to be fulfilled before they can then start replacing them via attrition with new M4s we don't know and and we don't really have any official documentation i got sent a press release from iwiil which is their international control brand and it uh it was very clear the uh writer of that press release was not an english speaker mm. as a first language uh but it essentially said the same thing that the tabor it, it said the tabor is going nowhere um, and then it linked to the comments uh, from the IDF who had just dropped another order for X95 Tavors and micro Tavors. Um, mm. And so like, even if they are going to go to the M4, even if there are plans to go to the M4, the X95 is going nowhere. Just like here in the United States, if we were to pick an NGSW winner tomorrow and you mentioned Beretta. Beretta is one of the competitors mm -hmm. under the um, under the General Dynamics bid, I believe. The yes. Whole and um, so, if that one won tomorrow, the M4 is sticking around for at least two decades. Oh yeah, and the S95 is going to be the same way. 
as a point of reference on that, so one of the things people don't understand about military procurement is things get replaced in one of two ways. The one of which is via attrition, which is thing breaks and we have ordered new thing to replace it. So I old thing broke, please send me new thing. And the other way that things get replaced is via these order fulfillments. So like if a unit, and I'll use the Air Force as an example because that's my lane. Uh, if an Air Force Security Forces Squadron has 53 M9 pistols and they get a shipment of half of their allotment of M18s, they're going to mark the half of their M9s and send that half back to DRMO, which is this big warehouse, which is full of goodies, by the way. Like DMRO has everything in it. They're going to send it back to DMRO, which then they'll dispose of them however they see fit. But a lot of the time, those guns don't go out of military circulation. Uh, for example, when I was in on my last deployment in the Middle East, the number of army reservists and guardsmen I saw wandering around the chow hall with friggin' M16A2s was <laughs> considerable. I'm like, bro, it's 2021. Would you like a gun from this millennium? Like, for real, could you, was that in yeah. Somalia? I saw yes. a dude with a gooseneck carry handle mount with an aim point on it when yes. I was deployed. And I'm like, yes. With. Those were those were still around because despite the fact that the army had gone and said, hey, the M4A1 is now our standard service rifle, they still had to update all the M4s. And there were massive contracts to constantly update to M4s to M4A1. So if you find those in inventory, it's literally scratched out M4 and now it says M4A1. And that's how you know it's an updated weapon is it's got the update marks on it. Or like uh, Michigan, one of the last things I did with the guard here in Michigan before I uh, got out of service for the second time was uh, finish our integration of the M4A1. And Michigan was far enough down the procurement list uh, based on the units that are in Michigan and their jobs that we didn't get upgraded M4s to M4A1s because the Michigan guard used M16A2s. The, M the M4A1s that we got were purchased new. So we were that far down the contract list that the, up the M4 upgrades to M4A1s didn't even hit Michigan because Michigan was still slated with M16A2s for the guard. Wait a minute, you guys got A1s, like the full yeah. rock and roll in the yeah. friggin' guard before, Jesus. Like most of the Air Force still doesn't have our A1s yet. Uh, and the Marine Corps is the same way. The Marine Corps is very light on A1s because well, like in general service, <laughs> the A1 is, it, they don't care. Right. The A1 is uh, MARSOC, it's SOCOM's toy. Uh, the auto rifle for the Marine Corps General Forces is the M27. And so and they did a anybody sneaky, who's still sneaky rocking with the M27. M4s is just like, like every, anybody who's still rocking M4s is just going to have to rock M4s until they get like, until the Marine Corps says, let's make our M4s M4A1s, or like everybody gets an M27. Until one of those things happens, it's just the M4. Which to their credit, that's what they're trying to do is be sneaky, sneaky with the M27 and just be like, everyone's a machine gunner. You all get M27s. Weird. How did that happen? Why do we have M27s with ACOGs on them? I don't That's, know what happened, that is, guys. That is still to date the best military scam I have seen was the Marine Corps going, 
oh, we're totally just looking at the concept of a light automatic rifle instead of a belt-fed light machine gun. We are totally just looking at it as a saw supplement. Actually, we really like this. It turns out this is really accurate and super reliable and really easy to clean. And, you know, 2.7 really liked it. And the Marines, once we bought, you know, we only bought 4,600 of them, just replaced the saws. But the Marines really like them. So, um, let's yeah, order another 17,000. Yeah, let's, let's just order another 20K of them and, and see how, you know, see how it goes, see how it goes. And the Marine Corps had at that point already said like the M27 was going to be the, the infantry and combat arms rifle. Um, but it was going to be an, as procurement uh, went through, it was going to be an in-place uh, re uh, replacement for the M4s because they finally said, you know what, maybe the M16 isn't the best general forces rifle for what we're doing right now because- But what about iron sights? What about 500 meters? What, what about all these things that, mm, wait, actually, um, there's this thing because we have Marines who are five foot and we have Marines who are six two. And for some reason, the A2 stock was designed specifically for a Marine who was 5'11 and about 170 pounds. And, oh, look, fixed stocks don't fit everybody or people wearing various kits or work getting in and out of vehicles really easily or maneuver inside buildings as nicely. Uh, maybe Weird. we should maybe we should look at those factors too and not just muzzle velocity. But velocity. muzzle velocity was a really great selling point and the reliability of the M16A4 uh, versus the M4, even in the notorious dust test, the M16 did very, very well because it's that nice, long, smooth gas system with the buffer. Um, they, they were looking at it and they could have probably gotten away with just saying, look, we're going to put adjustable stocks on the M16 and had the M16 last longer. But they were, for some reason, somewhere up in the Marine Corps hierarchy because the recommendations came down over and over and over again. Look, we should be putting adjustable stocks in these things. And some old old, we've always done it this way, a guy up in the Marine Corps hierarchy was like, no, fix stocks. You know, uh, for the record, an adjustable stock uh, M16A4 would be basically the Canadian spec gun, mm -hmm. which absolutely fucks. Like that gun fucks hard. I, 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 I rebuilt my FN into an adjustable stock variant of it. And it's so fucking it's so it's good. So it's, it's so nice like it's one of those things where like you look at it and it looks like shit it does not look like a good combination because you've got this big long broomstick mm -hmm. of a barrel and you probably have a ford hand grip on it because it weighs 37 pounds and then you've got like a car stock on it and then you actually like put the stock in like the first click and you throw it up to your shoulder and you go oh shit this you're is like really good Ooh. yeah you, you're just like oh man Man, we should have been uh, doing this. I should yep. like this, but I do. I do. I feel dirty, but I really like this. But uh, so speaking of pr procurement, which you're going to love the segue. Speaking of procurement, let's, we should actually, now that we're done talking about bullpups and why, you know, we had you on Suicide Watch earlier today up at the office. I was, um, I was very happy you all checked in on me. It was a very dark time. <laughs> The best comment I saw was from one of our colleagues who said, shoves magazine into armpit, sadly. 
<laughs> so anyway, speaking of military procurement, let's talk about civilian procurement and rather uh, civilian over procurement because Ooh, this yep. is a, and when I say civilian, please don't at me with, well, everyone who's not in the military is a civilian, blah, blah, blah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Joe and Jane gun owner who have decided in the face of these uncertain times that the best thing that they need is three pallets of 5.56 in their basement, uh, 150 guns, and no sustainable way to generate food, water, or power. Mm -hmm. they, are the, uh, they are the so-called uh, shit hit the fan preppers, and then you have to look at them and wonder, what are they prepping for? Yeah. Because they don't look at sustainable water. They don't look at sustainable food source. They don't look at, oh, hey, if something bad happens, I'm probably going to try to build a localized community to get things done. Instead, they're like, oh, man, it's going to be like Fallout. It's going to be like Mad Max and Fallout. And that's exactly how the end of the world is going to be. They're, they're preparing for Fallout 70, <laughs> 76. Instead, yeah, I haven't either. Um, but I heard it was a disaster when it launched, just the like these people in the apocalypse. As a frame of reference for the younglings out there listening to this, I am so old that I played the original hex-based Fallout and Fallout 2 on a PC, not like a laptop, but like a PC with a tower. I later played them on a laptop, and they're great games, uh, but... <laughs> yes, people who used to get a tower and a deep monitor. Yeah. Oh, no. yes. Uh, freaking cathode ray tube monitor. Hell yes. <laughs> um, but well, and that's interesting because I think that most people, like, yes, damn, could there be some sort of absolute breakdown of social order? Sure, there yeah. could be. However, a far more likely negative event would be something like the Rodney King riots of 1993, mm -hmm. or and even in. Um, you know, we have modern frames of reference to look at like this. If you look at the civil wars in Eastern Europe, which happened during our lifetime, you can see that even that wasn't a Mad Max fallout type situation. There was still, it was, you had communities that were bundled together. You had some that did better than others. You know, it was much more a, you weren't running around getting into gunfights in the street. You were running around trying to get food and water for your family. So there's mm -hmm. kind of a, and, you know, with the Rodney King riots, what you had was you had local communities that were able to band together to form uh, basically social social and economic protection groups to keep their stores from being raided, to keep their houses from being destroyed, to keep their families from being murdered, and that sort of stuff. So I've always found it interesting that there are people who have this idea of, you know, that they're prepping by buying guns and ammo and then their plan is to like kill people and take their supplies. And I'm like, you know, that makes you the bad guys, right? Like those are the guys, you are now the guy that I am prepping to defend my home against. Right. You're, you're the guy I'm going to be prepping with my community, be that my neighbors or people I've, I've got standing agreements with who, who think along the lines that we think of and on land or area that we've already ahead of time thought about, plotted out and looked at for things like crop viability, water access, ability to set up and live on it in a, in a smaller sustainable community type event and have put uh, things in motion. So you might have the guy who buried a literal like Connex box so that he has a 
you know, an end of the world bunker. And you can have two versions of that guy or that girl. And one of them has it filled with power supply, sustainable water type system, um, maybe a, a hydroponics type garden to, to start and be able to uh, begin crop preparation, as well as some weapons and ammunition and other things to help with survivability. However, on the flip side, you've got that same dude who built the apocalypse bunker and it's literally just guns and ammo. That's the, they have this magical idea that all they need is guns and ammo and the rest will just take care of itself. And it's like, all right, I'll see you dead of, you know, diarrhea and dehydration in a few days, bud. That reminds me, I need an, uh, I need an, uh, an underground 10,000, 10,000 gallon rainwater collection system. But, you know, and to that point, it's, Look, like if you want to buy guns and ammo, that's fine. Knock yourself out. But when we talk about preparing, it's there are. I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I'm down on the idea of having weapons for personal protection and home defense because obviously we both have guns for that. And if you create, you know, we use the community idea. So we've got neighbors. You know, uh, we were we're friendly with our neighbors for a very good reason because if something bad happens. We want there to be a sense of community and a sense of responsibility among everybody so that, hey, we're not, you know, alone. We're in this together. Maybe the Johnsons have a rainwater collection system and the Giddingses have, you know, a garden that they specifically engineered to be able to produce enough food for 10 people instead of enough food for two people, you know, things like that. So when you're talking about survival and you're just going out and buying guns and ammo, you're not actually planning for survival. You're planning to indulge a fantasy that's probably not going to happen. Mm. You're, you're planning for your high HP Fallout game. I'm going to exactly. keep, keep coming back. Like you're the high HP protagonist and you realize that's not how life works. Right. So you, you prep for the true, like, let's say we hit that scenario where 99% of humanity is out of play there are still people around there. There's still going to be stuff going on. There's still your best option is still going to be build community, but that is so drastically unlikely that it doesn't bear prepping for until you've prepared for the minor emergencies. So have you prepared to have your power lost for three days because of storm damage? And have you prepared to network with your neighbors to make sure that they're taken care of and you're taken care of. Because if you do, if you build that sense of community and the supplies for general survival outright, A, the likelihood that you need to use your weapons goes down. That's a good thing. And B, you, you, you're already building this low effort community, this low effort disaster preparedness. So your neighbors will look out for you when you go on vacation are mm -hmm. gonna be the same neighbors who are like, hey, power's been out for three days. How are you doing? Do you need anything? Do you got water? Or they'll come to you and be like, hey, I don't. And you'll you'll be the one going, hey, I got water. Do you got food? You know, we're a little, you know, we're a little out of this or this spoiled because, you know, something happened. Are you good? And, you know, and I, I ran into that in a minor way when I got COVID. I went down for literally two weeks. I was out for two weeks, but I like my neighbors. So they were coming and checking in on me like, hey, you okay? Do you need anything? And I had, I, I, I was able to have them 
you know, bring me stuff that I had run out of because uh, during COVID, while I was <laughs> functionally gone, couldn't do anything, I lost power. So I lost, I lost some food capability. I lost the ability to have running water. And um, I, I ran through some of the emergency supplies that I had stashed for the proverbial rainy day, the no, the no power situation. So when we're talking about people over-preparing and hyper-focusing on guns and ammo because either they're living the, the fallout fantasy or that's just what they've seen advertised that you need for the end of the world and they haven't thought about food prep, water prep, and community prep, uh, it's, it's just that. So they get like, dude, dude who is sitting on 150,000 rounds of whatever caliber, what are you planning to do with that? What is your actual plan to do anything with that? Are you going to hand it out to randos so that you have your Mad Maxian army? Are you going like, good luck with that. You don't know any of those people. Congratulations. Are you, do you have some kind of crazy transport plan that somehow works after all services are gone and you can't get diesel or gasoline? Like what's, what do you have dogs out of here? Yeah. Are, how, am, how are you going to move your 150,000 rounds of ammo? How are you going to move 10,000 rounds of ammo? Like we, back when Brownells was doing the giant barrels of ammo, we bought two. Those sons of bitches heavy. They're so heavy. <laughs> so well, like a case of nine mil weighs like 30 pounds, you know, yes. just, that's, and that's just a thousand rounds of nine mil. And like when I, when a standard rifleman's loadout for patrols and, you know, with, you know, this is what the gospel of the rifleman says, and is seven magazine is 730 round magazines. If you're dual armed in the Air Force, it's also an M9 with three mags, including one in the gun. All right. That's our standard loadout. That's a decent amount of ammo to carry. Like that shit weighs a lot. And now you're carrying it for an extended period of time and all of this. So the, the other, I, I, I'm about to hurt a couple more feelings of the fallout prep guys, because I have a question for these guys with 10,000, 15,000, 25,000 rounds of ammo that they're just hoarding. Can you run a mile? Can you walk a mile without getting winded? Can you jog a mile while wearing a plate carrier and seven magazines and carrying a rifle and because if your plan for the apocalypse doesn't include some level of physicality, then your plan is to just ford up in your location, which then means you your die. plan, yeah, until you die, which then means your plan needs to also include food, water, community, and all of these other things that you've been neglecting. Now, having said that, I will create a scenario that is charitable to this person wherein they're doing all of those things. So let's say they've got 75,000 rounds of steel K762 buried in their backyard, along with three crates of, of Yugo SKSs. And they have spent all of this time 
building out solar and rainwater collection systems and growing a garden and becoming really good friends with their neighbors so that when this impossible fallout scenario hits, they can then arm their neighbors and form a neighborhood self-defense force and barricade off their neighborhood so it's safe and you know post watches and patrols and stuff like that. So yes, in that case, if that's your plan and you're actually acting on that plan, then by all means, hoard 75,000 rounds of like, SKS ammo. You are the community armor and that's the no joke plan that you are the community armor because your background's strong enough in this or you already have it ready because you've got all the crates that you go SKSs. Whatever that setup happens to be and it's the active plan, good on you. Like that's good prepping. That's that's the dude who has the fallout bunker buried in the ground, the conics box in the ground, but he prepped all the things. Right. All and the right things. All Not of the smart dust, stuff. ammo, and guns. Not yeah. You gotta have food and water. And again, do a push-up. Like just start with one and then do more. And this is and I I I've been hitting the fitness thing hard lately in other in other channels, but and I think it's also because uh duty stuff going on in my life. I don't have COVID. Nobody, none of, like my, my family's all fine, but I've been interacting more with COVID lately due to events in my life and stuff like that. And I keep coming across how people, regardless of their vaccination status, who are uh, heavily overweight are just getting obliterated by COVID. Like it's fucking ruining oh, if, if you have, if I had had underlying health problems, you probably would have died. Yeah. If I if I had had some of the problems that family members of mine have because they're not in as good a shape, um, they they have the diabetes, they have uh, weight problems, they have other blood pressure, heart problems, you name it, it runs in my family, and a lot of them have this. If any of them had gotten what I got as bad as I got, they would have died. Yeah. So bar my, bar none. So mm -hmm. health is. Health is super important, guys. Like the most, and I, I will beat this drum until the day I eventually die. And I will probably die ironically because I try to be super healthy. I'm going to get hit by a car or something. Mm -hmm. um, but the best thing you can do to prep for any sort of breakdown of social order or anything like that is to take care of yourself. You know, uh, be a, if you can't run a mile today, walk a mile. Walk, and I, I've said this for years and years and years. Walking is free, push-ups are free, body weight squats are free. All of this stuff requires no equipment and literally a space. If people in prison can get freaking jacked without access to anything other than enough space to do squats and push-ups, you can. You can too. Yeah, you, you can too. Admittedly, they might have more time than you. But... <laughs> But all right, that's uh, it for us being mean to preppers and talking about how sad Keith is about the Tavor. Uh, I'm shattered. Expect my funeral in two days from yesterday. But not from COVID. <laughs> from, no, actually, probably from COVID. It might still be around in the system. I could be a COVID death. Oh, COVID 2.0. All right. Well, guys, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will be back next week. See you then.